Well, hello and welcome to Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at All Fire. At All Fire, we specialise in helping you get the most from your virtual teams through understanding how your team members communicate and interact. This is episode number 33, and today we're going to be talking about the recent movie release and the book, The Martian, and what we can learn from the story and um, what that will help us in terms of building stronger virtual teams. So as with all of our podcasts, there is an accompanying blog article on the Ulfire website. Please do check it out for additional information. And while you're there, feel free to subscribe to our regular newsletter, subscribe to the podcast, and generally find out a bit more about how we may be able to help you and your business. So the movie The Martian was released at the time of this um, podcast recording. The movie's been out in cinemas for a couple of weeks. Um, The movie itself is based on a book written by a guy called Andy Weir, and the movie actually follows the book quite closely. Um, I'll try in this podcast, and I've tried on the accompanying blog article, to give away as few parts of the storyline as possible, but to at least draw as much out of the story as far as how we can learn things from the scenario for uh, communications in virtual teams. So essentially the scenario of the story is that a NASA astronaut by the name of Mark Watney has been stranded on Mars. Um, He was there with colleagues and for reasons that are explained in the book and in the film he gets left behind. Um, The story follows his challenges, successes and failures, highs and lows while he's trying firstly to survive and then secondly to, um, to, to find a way to get himself from Mars back to the planet Earth. Um, along the way he has to deal with things like the, um, the time difference in far as communication goes. It takes 13 minutes for a message to get from Earth to Mars. 13 minutes for the, for the reply to that message to get back from Mars to Earth. Mars itself has a longer day than a day on Earth at 24 hours, 37 minutes and 22 seconds. So even you can't, you can't even fix the time and say, right, it's going to be the same time at both ends for communications all the way through. And then, of course, there's working with different kinds of communication technology, which are, um, which are all explained in the story and which I'm not going to well on or even give away as far as this particular podcast goes so suffice to say the film in and the book are excellent the learnings that you can take from a virtual team perspective are tremendous the learnings you can take from a science and engineering and biology and so forth are also really really good so if you get the opportunity definitely go along see the film and if you don't get the chance to see the film check out the book because they are all um, they're all really good so there are a few areas that we'd like to uh, to talk about in this podcast that that really resonate as far as dealing with with virtual teams and dist- distributed team communications 
The first one is time zones. Um, now, this is uh, quite an interesting one because typically when you're talking about terrestrial communications and time zones, you're talking about a fixed difference on a planet where it's morning in one place and afternoon somewhere else and evening somewhere else, middle of the night somewhere else. In this situation, the, the planets are obviously vast differences apart. There is this 37-minute um, time difference between the length of one day and the length of the day, so the length of a day on Earth, and then 37 minutes longer for a day on Mars. So the actual time difference, as far as whether it's morning on Earth and morning on Mars, morning on Earth, afternoon on Mars, and so forth, changes on a day-by-day basis, which makes some of the communications challenges as far as timing goes quite complex. Obviously, when you're working on Earth, you don't have that situation unless your people keep moving, in which case you've got to keep a good track of where they are in the world so that you can make sure that when you're communicating with them, you do it in a way that is sensitive to their time zones and sensitive to their needs to actually get some sleep. So you have you may have a colleague who's travelling from country to country on, let's say, a sales mission, at some times you may be able to communicate with that colleague by telephone. At other times you may find that the only way you can communicate is by email because one of you will be asleep when the other one is awake. So you need to be aware of time zones, you need to be aware of the pressures of time zones, both on Earth and, of course, when you're uh, dealing with people on another planet. The second point is communications medium. Now, again, we've talked a lot on various uh, podcasts and we've also talked a lot on various blog articles on the website about the different mediums that are out there, the different platforms that are available for people to communicate with, whether that be email, whether that be text message, whether that be uh, video conference, telephones and so forth. Now, this uh, story of the Martian obviously comes with some really interesting conceptual challenges in there. The 13-minute transmission delay for a message to travel in each direction between Earth and Mars adds quite a lot of complexity to the way communication can happen. For instance, you could conceivably have a verbal communication, but the time that it would take between you speaking at one end and receiving a response to that question or to that statement, you're looking at 26 minutes turnaround, assuming that the person at the other end responds instantly to your message when they receive it. That's a completely impractical way to communicate as far as um, business on Earth would work and as far as really as business on um, in space travel would work. You really need to try to communicate in a way which feels more natural and in this instance that would be through written communication. So from an Earth perspective you're then looking at um, communicating by text message or communicating by email. When you're in space obviously you have a dedicated platform where you would enter your text at one end and it would spool out in, in written form at the recipient's end and they would then respond to your comments. So I guess an interstellar email for want of a better expression. But what it highlights here is that you need to be conscious of where and how that message, when you send it and when you receive it, how that message is going to be transmitted and how it's going to be received, and to make sure that the um, that the context of the text is sensible and makes sense. Also, of course, in the space perspective, you're talking about highly complex technical data that is far better transmitted by in written form 
than it is transmitted verbally, simply because it, it eliminates some of the transcription errors and some of the hearing errors that you may have in, as far as the message that's sent and received if it's, if it's audio. So the third factor that we'd like to consider is is really the ability that the astronauts need to have to work autonomously. Um, I mean, these guys are working on another planet in very difficult environmental circumstances. They have to be able to arrive there with a, with a well-planned set of tasks that they're going to work on, and they need to be able to work completely independently and autonomously, and the NASA people on Earth need to be able to trust that when they're doing things, they're doing things per instructions, or they're doing th things in ways that have been previously planned. Now, in a similar way, in a conventional terrestrial virtual team environment, if you've got people working in multiple locations, it's incredibly important that the people in each of those locations are able to work autonomously to an agreed target. So you need to know that when you're at work in your country and in your office, you're, you're there to do the job that you're doing and you need to know what's expected of you and you need to be able to work autonomously to those instructions. That autonomy, autonomy can be challenging for some organisations. For some managers, it can be very challenging to trust their people. And for some people, it can be very challenging to, to embrace that level of trust and just to work in the way that's expected of them. And trust is the fourth and final item that we wanted to talk about here. And that really and truly is critical, that you have to be able to trust your co-workers in other locations in just the same way as the NASA astronauts need to be able to trust their base people as and when they can communicate with them and equally that the people on Earth need to be able to trust that those astronauts are doing the right thing, they're doing what's expected of them and they're doing the right, um, following the right procedures and making the right safety checks and so forth so that everybody is safe and that everything happens as per plan. If people fail to meet the trust expectations that are placed on them, regardless of whether they are a NASA astronaut, a NASA ground controller, or whether they're someone working on a project that just happens to be split across a couple of different locations, once that trust starts to go away, then things can unravel very, very quickly. If, let's say, an astronaut didn't trust the instructions he was getting from Earth and did things differently, that could very well lead to, um, to a, a terminal failure of a mission. It could lead to fatalities. It could lead to all sorts of problems. In just the same way, if you have people working for you in another office and for whatever reason the trust breaks down, how will you know that, you would, that what you're doing is being properly respected by your colleagues elsewhere? And equally, how do you know then that the people that are doing the work for you are doing the work that you expect? So building, maintaining and working to trust are absolutely critical in that, uh, in that virtual teams environment. So just quickly then to recap these four points, we have time zones where, again, it's very important that you understand and respect the time zones and the time differences between locations. Communications medium, that you make sure that the tools that you use are appropriate for the form and sensitivity and temporal and so forth necessities of the messages that you need to send. That you are 
allowing people and that you yourself are allowed to work autonomously to an agreed target, not just autonomously to a target that you feel you want to work to, but that you're working toward an agreed target. And finally, that all of this leads to the building and maintenance of a trusting working environment where everybody trusts that everybody else is doing the work that's expected of them. So I hope that this has been an interesting and um, an enjoyable episode for you to listen to. Uh, please do feel free, of course, to check us out at the Ulfire website, which is www.ulfire.com.au. While you're there, subscribe to the podcast feed, um, have a look at some of the other articles. Of course, subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out once a fortnight with, with highlights of articles both that we write and also that we come across in other places on the internet. And if you are on iTunes, um, it, we would really appreciate you giving us a review on there while you're at it. And I look forward very much to speaking to you next time. Thank you. <laughs>